sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Great to be with you here on this Tuesday, December the 15th, 2020. Hope you're having a great holiday season. Hanukkah for a lot of you, of course. Christmas coming up next week. Thanks for watching us. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We're going to break everything down in the great Monday night football game last night. We'll actually have a little bit of baseball to talk about a little bit later in the show. There's also some uh, updated rumors on baseball, something I don't want to hear about, but uh, we'll bring it to you here on the show. Great to be with you here on the program. And, Joe, uh, really great game last night. Capped off one of the better games of the season, maybe the best game of the season on Monday Night Football. So we'll uh, start off there today. Yeah, it kind of feels like the best game of the year to me. Uh, I had to go back this morning and watch some parts of it, too, just to make sure that I saw what I saw. And I did. It was a fun contest. If anybody was able to stay up last night and watch the entire thing on the East Coast, and it was uh it was great. I mean, just the back and forth. And obviously, we're going to break down this game in the next segment and kind of, you know, pick it apart piece by piece. But uh, we've been talking on this show last week about it's time to just let Lamar Jackson just go. And, you know, the last two games they have and they're getting W's and that's the difference. And I and I think that at this point, you know, you have to understand what you aren't and you're not necessarily the same efficient running team that you were last year. You're not necessarily uh, able to pass the ball downfield with the same sort of precision that you did last year. So what can you do? You have one of the best weapons in football. Let him go crazy. And from the Cleveland Browns standpoint, too, as much as you can feel good about yourself in a loss, I think the Browns should. Uh, this was a, a real measuring stick for them, and they measured up. And I can't wait to see. I hope we get to see potentially a rematch of this game. And I can't wait to see Cleveland in a few weeks against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hopefully they have something to play for both teams because that's another measuring stick for this uh, young Cleveland Browns team that looks like it's finally getting to that same level. And now what used to be the doormat, the Cleveland Browns look like they are right in the front at the top battling for that North, not just this year, but for years to come potentially as well. All right, let's get to our headlines here on this Tuesday, and we'll start off with Lamar Jackson, who really has been unleashed, especially last night. What a great game he had, and we'll talk about specifically from a fantasy perspective. If you waited and needed him to get you a win in fantasy, you probably ended up with a win. They basically could not stop him. Honestly, the Ravens couldn't stop the Browns for the most part either, so a lot of offense in that game, no doubt. Debo Samuel of the 49ers likely out for the season. About an hour ago, he sent out a tweet essentially telling people, if uh, if you're coming at me now, wait till next year. I am going to be in on, on Debo Samuel next year, but it looks like he is out for the year this year. Uh, Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, uh, Clark Lee, named the new coach for Vanderbilt. Of course, Notre Dame's offense has been an issue when they haven't been great, but their defense has been pretty solid the last few years, so this is a good hire for Vandy, and they need anything they can in the SEC to get to another level it, it really hasn't worked for anyone there in a number of years marquette got the big win in college basketball last night against creighton number nine team in the country and i guess some good news this morning for uh gators uh, forward dante johnson who had uh, a devastating scene played out on saturday morning in fact the gators played florida state 11 a.m on saturday morning it was the first game of the day in college basketball and keontae johnson simply collapsed on the court it was a very scary scene they're saying that he's following some simple commands right now and he was at a, an induced coma over the weekend uh, arguably the Gators best player one of their best players and has an NBA future as well but 
really not knowing the situation. Of course, because of HIPAA, we're not going to get deep into COVID or whatever this may be, but certainly hoping that Keontae Johnson is okay health-wise, and then we'll worry about his basketball uh, at a later date. Mm-hmm. But also, the USA Today, about an hour ago, and Bob Nightingale uh, has a column that I haven't had a chance to dive into fully this morning, but it does say that uh, that the at least the the owners now again remember there's going to be a lot of back and forth as there always is with the union and the owners, but at least Nightingale's report says that the owners want the uh, 2020 Major League Baseball season to begin in May when uh, there is a vaccine more readily available, so uh, to keep uh, protocols in place and to have a safer environment. Um, that's really interesting because that would bring the season down maybe from 162 to 140 or somewhere along those lines. But for me, and, and I haven't had a lot of time to digest or even look into this a little further, and I will for sure today. But in my mind, Joe, as always, this is about money. And the reality is, is that in St. Louis, in Colorado, uh, in Los Angeles, and probably 10 other places in the country, they are they cannot afford to pay their well they can't afford to do it i take it back they don't want to pay without having fans coming to the games and mm-hmm. if major league baseball feels that in april there will be no fans because a vaccine is not readily available they would prefer to not have to pay the payroll of their players until they know that they're going to actually have fans walking through the gate is this an issue in pittsburgh no is it one in miami no is it one in tampa bay no but we're still talking about 20 Major League Baseball franchises that make their revenue off of people walking through the gates. And so we'll just have to follow this and see how it goes. But certainly we just have to at least bring it to the light if it does end up happening. Well, I'd love to see the breakdown because I don't know what it is between television contracts and rights and all the other things. And the Major League Baseball teams make money off of compared to gate and how much gate is a percentage of that. I'm sure it's a good chunk. But uh, I have to tell you, if they're going to do this, they have to do it soon because the last thing you want to do is another stop and start like you had last year where spring training happened and then we were on the precipice of a season and then we postponed it. That did not work out well for a lot of players. It certainly didn't work out well for a lot of pitchers. I think you can agree on that. So... <laughs> From a money standpoint, I like it because the later the season starts, the more black book sales window I have. But but realistically, I got to tell you, I think there's a very dangerous thing here for the players and and for the union. I think that with 2021 looming here with another CBA coming up, you have to stop and ask yourself and say, okay, is this, you know, somehow, you know, continuing to be the owners pushing and trying to make a smaller season and more playoffs and all that stuff. And I hate to wear the tinfoil hat, but it certainly begs the at least the thought of it. Yes, well, we really don't know yet. We'll follow the story as it goes for sure. I'll do my due diligence, no doubt. We'll have our fantasy standouts from Monday night coming up. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. A wild game last night between the Ravens and Cleveland Browns. And in terms of the spread, it came right down to the last play of the game. Essentially, 
a safety for those of you who bet the Browns very late ended up costing you some money. But here is the good news. If you did it on FanDuel, you didn't lose. You're getting a refund on your money. That's how great FanDuel is. Little present for you there, and that's why taking advantage of the FanDuel Sportsbook is definitely the way to go. Check out your local guy, your your uh, your Vegas bet. You getting money back if you lost that? Nope. FanDuel takes care of you. So refunds last night on the Cleveland Browns if you ended up losing it, and of course if you took the Ravens, you ended up winning on that strange line going into last night. No doubt, it turned out to be the right one as the Ravens were favored and they ended up winning. Lamar Jackson, 11 for 17, 163 passing yards, also 124 rushing yards and three touchdowns. This is basically the game that we saw all last year, and he did it last night. J.K. Dobbins, 13 carries, 53 rushing yards and a touchdown. Gus Edwards scored twice and took advantage of some of those goal line carries. Marquise Brown, two receptions, 50 yards and a score. And Mark Andrews uh, had five receptions in 78 yards. Andrews, of course, had missed a couple of uh, games due to uh, COVID-19. Now let's take a look at the Cleveland Browns and their performances. Then we'll go through all of it. Baker Mayfield, 343 passing yards, also 23 rushing yards, three touchdowns and one interception. One of his scores was on the ground. Another fantastic game for Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 82 yards, two receptions, 21 yards and two scores. Kareem Hunt had been quiet over the last month, but he resurfaced in the game last night for sure with 77 receiving yards, two touchdowns, and six catches. 25-point game from Kareem Hunt needed that. Uh, Jarvis Landry's been very good for the Browns uh, since Beckham has been out. Six receptions, 52 yards. Also a 12-yard pass in this game. And then Rashard Higgins had six catches, 68 yards, and a score as well. So you're looking at uh, at the Ravens, and, and we kind of dove into them a little bit more, and I do think that we'll probably continue to see more of Lamar Jackson from now to the end of the season. I'm not sure what they were doing in the first half. Maybe they were just keeping him healthy for now, and that does make a lot of sense. Now, the Ravens' defense didn't play pretty well, and, this, and the thing that I really like about the Browns, uh, Joe, is that the fact that they can run the ball, control mm-hmm. the clock, and that's how you can beat teams in the end. But for whatever reason, they have had these – games this season Tennessee when they were up big they let them come all the way back into the game and I know that they won the game but they gave up a lot Dallas they gave up a lot the Ravens they gave up a lot and I suppose that's just the nature of the NFL this season the great defenses and even the good defenses are still having games where they give up 30 or 40 points that's what happened to the Browns last night yeah I think you could at least partially chalk it up to that's because going on in the NFL right now. Miles Garrett having the injury in that game certainly didn't help. He wasn't 100% after that. So um, I think when you when you look at this game, for me, I mean, it is about unleashing Lamar Jackson. I mean, this is the game plan, and, and hopefully he can stay healthy with this amount of workload. But, I mean, he was unstoppable. He's one of the great weapons in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. And this was a show. Three touchdowns for him, 124 rushing yards. Staggeringly good. And, of course, Marquise Brown yet again has that one moment that one spot where he gets the ball and he scores a touchdown. And again, it's a blown coverage there where the safety runs into the linebacker. Next thing you know, Marquise Brown is free. Next thing you know, he catches an easy little dump off pass. The next thing you know, it's a touchdown. It's a third straight touchdown in three games for Marquise Brown. But once again, you watch the other three quarters of this game. It is a big fat goose egg for him. And it's just a very scary thing. And I think that going into 2021, a lot of people will just look at the overall package and say, oh, he had X number of touchdowns, X number of yards. Okay. But it's, it's you know, on the micro level, when you start to really examine what happened and you see what's going on in all these quarters with him, it is, I think, a very dangerous thing. And I can tell you right now, he's definitely going to be on the overrated list going into next year for me. Uh, and on the Brown side, you know, the thing about Baker Mayfield that I loved in college, the thing that makes him great is also his undoing at times. And, you well, know, the great thing about Baker Mayfield is the confidence, right? 
the confidence he has to make certain throws. And one time in this game, it really did bite him. It was the one time he kind of had a lapse, which is, I can make this throw. I can get this ball through this linebacker to this receiver and ended up costing him almost a pick six, but obviously they got stopped right before the goal line. And that interception really, to me, was the difference of the game because it had come right after a great fourth down stop by the defense. And all the momentum had shifted to Cleveland. And then when Baker Mayfield threw that pick, Craig, all of a sudden, to me, it was like, oh, you had the momentum, you had everything going, and then you gave it right back. Now, to his credit, he's unflappable, right? That's what's great about him is his confidence. Well, you know, screw it. I'm going to figure out a way to get it back, and that's what you love about Baker Mayfield. But still, it's those moments that continue to be there undoing, which I think is that growing pains of him. It's getting better. You see less of it. You still saw it last night, but a great job by the Browns. Great job by him. Nick Chubb looked great. Kareem Hunt looked great. I think this team has a lot of confidence, Craig, and I think they are a dangerous team in the playoffs because nobody thought they were going to be there, and they are going to be there. So I got to tell you, and I'll ask you this question too, Nick Chubb, to me, is right in that one, two, three, where you talk about Henry, you talk about Dalvin Cook, and to me it's Nick Chubb where I'm trying to find the warts on these guys going forward into next season, and Ezekiel Elliott's having a down year, Alvin Kamara on – you know, uneasy situation with the quarterback, potentially who that's going to be. We've got Saquon and CMC coming off injuries. I put Chubb in that really safe, really good round one kind of feeling. Do you think Chubb has earned that spot as well and a top five spot at that? Because I do. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he's going to be a first round okay. pick in fantasy next year. It's just a matter no, of how five, high. Though. Is he top five? Um, I think he is. I thought you said top three a second ago, but... Um, well, he's in my I, top three, but I can understand why somebody might want to take Adams and not even take the running back altogether and avoid that. I can understand yeah, somebody wanting I mean, to take Christian McCaffrey and just saying, no, it's a one-off. Yeah, on December 15th of 2020, <laughs> I think that he would be... Boy, I'd be guessing right now. Um, I would probably take... Oh, I would take Derrick Henry ahead of him, clearly. I would mm-hmm. take uh, Cook ahead of him. Yeah, I would. I pr- I probably would take McCaffrey over him. I think I That's would. That's the question. I would, I, because on third down, I mean, he does catch the ball, but as long as Kareem Hunt is on their roster, mm-hmm. then then there's still to me some splitting there. So I, I would sure. I would probably put him maybe in the top five overall. Yeah, I, I could see that. But I'm and I would take him over Barkley. I would not take him over McCaffrey. I I, I understand he's had some injuries this year, but. I, I'm going to call those freakish and take a guess, a wild guess on that one. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think McCaffrey is still the second overall pick or third overall pick and kind of goes down the model of where we felt about Barkley, which was he had the big injury last year. He still was among the f- first two picks this year. He's had the big injury this year. No one's going to take him again in the top two because now you've had enough people burned in the first two picks that aren't going to do it again. Uh, and and then if if they if he gets burned again this year, then he'll be you know a third round pick next year. So and for me, that, is that giving him the benefit directly? Of the doubt? Yeah, top five for okay. Chubb. No, not in the top three running backs. Well, let, let me ask you this too, because I'm curious of your thoughts of this. Do you believe that you know we we kind of get ourselves into a false sense of security when it comes to guys like McCaffrey? Because let's look a little back at the model, right? David Johnson, all world incredible. This guy's number one overall pick, right? Starts to have injuries, we give him a pass. Never mm-hmm. comes back. Saquon. Oh my God, this guy's so good. Number one overall talent starts to have injuries. We give him a pass. Doesn't come to fruition. Is there a trap there with McCaffrey of the same kind of logic? I understand the upside as much as the next person. Believe me, this is not lost on me, but I'm starting to look at that trend line and how many guys after that down year or the injury year bounce back and become that guy again. 
that's getting harder and harder for me to find in the last five, six years at running back. Yeah, I think that it's a, it's a fair question. Um, I know you're not going to like to hear this, but it's the truth. <laughs> We're guessing. We're all guessing here. I mean, come on. Sure. I mean, the reality of what we saw in fantasy football this year, it was all guessing. The first 12 picks, eight were busts. So it would be a guess for me. And my guess is, is that right now, we're speaking about McCaffrey's lowest point since he's come into the league in terms of fantasy because of all the injuries. And I'm not going to react to that. I'd like to see him have a fresh and full preseason next year. We didn't even have a preseason. All the things that you're saying are correct, but I'm just not going to lump McCaffrey into the others because I don't believe he's that same player. David Johnson came in with very little track record. He was an okay player in college. He was a star in the NFL. Um, Barkley was a star in college. There's no question about that. So he's a little bit different. I think every player is different and I'm not mm -hmm. just going to put them all into the same category. And with the amount of risk that there already is in fantasy football, I probably will go down McCaffrey road again next year. I, I, I will not hesitate on him. That's just an opinion. And by the way, a guess, because in, in my opinion, this is a lot of this is guessing at the end of the day. Okay, inside the fantasy numbers, we're going into it next. Make sure you stay on the grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Craig Minch, Joe Pizzapia. Time to do some fantasy by the numbers here in 2020. Maybe take a look at some things that you may not have realized. Perhaps that will help you in 2021. I know that there are a lot of people like me that are out of the fantasy football playoffs, but hopefully you are still alive in your process and your season. And of course, this is a huge week for a lot of people as the semifinals begin. So Joe, let's get started with fantasy by the numbers. All right, let's talk about the number 13. And that is the number of touchdowns for Tyreek Hill over 40 yards for his NFL career. And that's the most of any active player. So when you're talking about big plays, there's just nobody better than Tyreek Hill and how big plays really impact the momentum of a game, Craig. And, you know, when you have these moments where you think you're stopping the Chiefs and the next thing you know, there's a 40-yard touchdown pass <laughs> to or more to Tyreek Hill, that changes things significantly. And I, I know going into some years past, people were concerned because of some extracurricular issues with Tyreek Hill, and rightfully so. And they were also concerned about what type of player he is. Is he just this boomer bust kind of guy? And I think over the last two years, we've seen a different picture. And the picture is a guy that got his contract extension and has been absolutely dazzling ever since. I mean, the guy has just been unbelievable. And we had a, a fascinating conversation yesterday on the podcast. And I wanted to bring it over to you. And I'm going to phrase this very carefully. And I'm going to ask this question. Do you believe that Tyreek Hill is the best weapon in the NFL? Because I think you can certainly make that argument. Because how many guys can you hand the ball off to? How many guys can you throw the ball to? How many guys can return the ball? And then there's also the question on top of it. Is he the perfect guy for Patrick Mahomes? And when Tyreek Hill 
be the same Tyreek Hill with another quarterback because these two seem to be in such incredible sync also in the styles of play where Mahomes is able to make throws that most guys can't, most throws on the run that most guys can't, and the arm strength of what he's got being able to go deep. And it feels like the perfect marriage, but I'll ask you, is he the perfect weapon, not just for Mahomes, but in the NFL period? Yeah, this is the easiest question of the year. This is it. We're finally here. On December 15, 2020, you, you gave me the softball that I've been looking for. <laughs> so you think the he is? I mean, I think you're going to arguments for some other guys. The answer is he is the best weapon for Patrick Mahomes. There is okay. no way Tyreek Hill is on Chicago or Jacksonville or the Giants. Or I mean, I can keep going and doing what he's doing. And, and I'm not saying that he's not a great player. But it is Mahomes uh, giving him, I don't know, 30 40% extra of what he would be with some other team. Mm. Um, is he the perfect weapon for Mahomes? Of course. But if we're talking about Mahomes in the same category as Brady and Montana and Marino and Fouts and Elway and Favre and all of these other quarterbacks who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I, and we're doing it now after two years or three years, there's no doubt that Hill is a fantastic player but I would, here's what I would say. Five years from now, Tyreek Hill will not be who he is now. And there will be another Tyreek Hill, Joe, with Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind on that. We saw with Tom Brady, right? Through the years, he sure. just had these different receivers all the time. Great weapons. Were they great weapons or were they Tom Brady's weapons? I don't, I mean, at no, this see, point, that's, I don't that's, that's the, always the big difference to me because, you know, uh, Marino had Clayton Duper and Clayton Duper, I always thought were very underrated. And I was a kid when I watched him, but I just thought those guys didn't get enough credit, but you know, Steve Young and Joe Montana had Jerry Rice, the greatest to ever do it, period, end of story. And I think that certainly helps. Brady only had Moss for a small window of time, but the collection of Dion Branches and Troy Browns and just kind of good wide receivers in the NFL that Brady made significant. And then when they left, like Dion Branch, when he went to Seattle and he was nothing in Seattle, just signed that big crazy contract, came back with the Pats, went to another Super Bowl. I feel like that's that's what's always the magnificence of Tom Brady to me. You know, he didn't have Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and those kind of guys. You know, he I think when you look at the greats to ever play the position, most of the time you have that one wide receiver you put with them, and that's fair. And you could say, well, you know, chicken and egg, who makes who better? And that's that's a that's a good conversation, a fun one to have. But I think when you look back at the the pantheon of Brady wide receivers, it doesn't come close to some of the other guys. Even though Randy Moss is all time great, it was a it was a short window of time where he was great with him in the same point in time. And I just think it's it's a fascinating yeah. little thing. And I think Tyreek Hill is indeed uh, with you, the, the perfect guy for Mahomes. But certainly in terms of what the NFL is now, I, it's hard to argue he's not the most dangerous weapon too. I mean, and I guess, you know, part of that is he because is, he is, he's because Mahomes. Mahomes. I, right. I mean, if uh, Gary Gilbert was the quarterback of the Chiefs, he would not be the most dangerous weapon but, in the but NFL. But what if it's I mean, what if it's what if there's something in between? Like, I guess here, and we'll never know this, but I guess what does your instinct tell you of what's the in between? Like, where where is he with a Kirk Cousins? Is Tyree Kill still this monstrous guy? I don't think so. Okay, no, fair I just think right, the Mahomes is so much far above that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you're right about one thing. Hill has sort of changed what teams are looking for, like the Raiders drafted basically rugs to be Hill, and he may end up being Hill. I mean, we don't know, but that's a good a good comparison to a player that now, like Hill has set the mold for what other teams are trying to do. Um, right. So potentially, I think that there's something there with that. 
But like even another guy I should have really mentioned that I left out, which is horrible by me, but Peyton Manning is another one. Peyton Manning never really had a Tyreek Hill, but I think in the end, there are some people who definitely feel that Marvin Harrison was the best receiver he oh, ever sure. played with. I got to tell you, I think Reggie Wayne was very close. And I Marvin think Harrison both was at the end. And I think yeah, they're both better so, than anybody that Brady ever had, save Randy Moss. Probably and, so. And, like, probably and so. Welker was very good and, and you know, for a window. And, and Edelman was very good as well. But it, it's this is a good January conversation. <laughs> I think we start yeah, having probably. these other things. All right, let's we're do another number here. 409 is the 409 yeah. is the next number here, Craig. And that is the number of yards in the last three games by David Montgomery. So this is something significant now. Now he's got an interesting matchup this week against Minnesota. It's a few weeks in a row. We've been rolling with him on FanDuel here on the network and, and on the game day show and here on Fantasy Sports today. And I understand that he's had some big runs, but I mean, once again, that's important. That's that's something to factor in. Does he have breakaway speed? You want that out of your running back. Can he hit the hole and then go for 50, 60 yards? And I guess here's the question. Are we seeing in your mind the guy who is starting to finally get it or is just this maybe a good streak of opponents here when you're playing teams like Detroit and Houston, which are two of the worst in the league? Yeah, it's really hard to say because this has been basically his best stretch since he's been in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And it's again, we're looking at 2021. I think you have to have more confidence in the way that Montgomery is playing for sure. Also, you know, tell me whether or not Tariq Cohen is back in Chicago next year. I mean, that's, that's part of this talk. Uh, I know that Patterson won't be a factor, whether he's back or not running the ball. I'm not worried about that. But I mean, Cohen is a guy who gets a lot of receptions and Montgomery has gobbled up a lot of receptions more than he ever has this year. So I think that you absolutely have to be very happy, especially in a dynasty league, that he's finally coming into his own and showing it. And maybe this coaching staff or the next one will identify that. But to be determined with me on him, has he has he risen his draft stock for 2021? Without a doubt. Is he an RB1 going forward? I don't know, but he's definitely an RB2 now. There's no doubt right at that top end, I think. Yeah, well, next number here on the list is 90. And uh, that is the number of receptions so far this year for Stefan Diggs and Keenan Allen. So both these guys on pace to go over 100 receptions this year. And that's kind of fascinating because Keenan Allen's draft value was kind of down going into the year when people were looking at Tyrod Taylor and that prospect or, you know, what's Herbert going to be? Could that hurt Keenan Allen? His stock went way down. And Stefan Diggs was the great unknown. A lot of people had a lot of questions about Josh Allen. And I think Josh Allen has answered those questions resoundingly. We'll talk a little bit about him in a second. But I'll ask this question to you, Craig. You tell me. Was Stefan Diggs the biggest single offseason move that any team made in the NFL? Because it seems like Buffalo with Stefan Diggs and without Stefan Diggs has become a very different offense this year. And it's it's hard to prove otherwise. And Josh Allen's done a lot of good as well to make Stefan Diggs good. I don't want to take anything away from Allen. But Stefan Diggs, I think a guy that we looked and you lamented quite a bit last year about that up and down I game did. log. The consistency factor of him this year has been absolutely stunning. And I kind of think it might be the most important offseason move any team made. Looks that way at this point, and he has been, I, I think, the biggest surprise even in fantasy and reality, too, to see him rack up 130 catches maybe at the end of the season and 1,600 yards. He's been fantastic. Uh, impossible to argue that he's been the most important acquisition right now. I'm sure we could go through it and find an offensive lineman or defensive lineman somewhere. Um, you know, Chase Young, in terms of the draft, comes to mind. The last few weeks, this guy has been, I mean, as dominant as any defensive lineman we've ever seen as a rookie. But yes, in terms of just looking at the numbers, looking what he's provided, hard to argue that. All right, last one here, 69.9. That is the number 
And that number is the completion percentage for Josh Allen this year. He is fourth in the league behind only Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, who doesn't throw as many deep balls as some other guys might. And then Russell Wilson. That's a pretty good company right there when you're hanging out with Russell Wilson and Drew Brees in terms of completion percentage. That's kind of staggering. I think something that nobody saw coming, but I think it's fantastic that Buffalo over two years has given him the possession wide receiver in Cole Beasley. That was a very underrated acquisition at the time. And now the home run hitter in Stefan Diggs. And despite the shortcomings of the run game now two years in a row, Josh Allen has really you know, emerge as a quarterback doing, you know, I talked about it yesterday on the program, you know, to me, that moment where you see Josh Allen, the quarterback evolve and that throw that he made down there uh, over to the, to the end zone and got that PI, that's the kind of quarterback play you're looking for. And I think when you add in that completion percentage, you're really seeing Josh Allen kind of emerges. I mean, arguably the best quarterback of this class, which is saying a lot because Lamar just won the MVP last year and Baker, you know, looked pretty good last night at times. It could be, and and maybe this playoff run will figure it out. I, I still would take Lamar Jackson, and maybe there's a chance that Lamar Jackson goes into the uh, playoffs on the low end and comes out on the high end, as opposed to last year he was on the high end and it ended up with the with the low mark against Tennessee. So we'll see. But yes, Josh Allen has definitely made his name this year. Uh, had he continued to do what he was doing after the first few weeks of the season. I don't know if he would have won the MVP ahead of Mahomes, but he would have finished second. He still may finish second in the MVP, although Aaron Rodgers seems like he's got that locked down. But yes, very impressive for sure. And in terms of keeper leagues and in terms of quarterbacks you want to have for 2021, Allen is without a doubt in the top five for sure. And I didn't think that we would see that. So interesting stuff. We've got Hot Take Tuesday coming up next. Make sure you stay on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today is coming up. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today coming up in about 30 minutes from now. Our friend Josh Cohen from PC Sports Cards is going to weigh in on the latest in sports cards as things continue to trend up. We'll find out what Jalen Hurts is worth right now, considering he is the now hot guy in Philadelphia. Going to probably make another start for them coming up this week. But Joe, before we get to that, let's take care of a little hot take Tuesday here on the show. And let's start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, I comb the Twitterverse every Monday for the hot takes because there's a lot of them out there. So all of these are straight from Twitter, straight from people throwing things out there. And some are crazy, maybe some are not, but we'll let you all determine them. And the first one here is the Pittsburgh Steelers losing two games in a row and obviously not looking great at times, dropping a lot of passes. There's a sentiment out there that the Steelers, after two straight losses, are in serious trouble. And uh, I got to tell you, it feels like is definitely an issue all right well we'll get yeah um yeah yeah in terms of the Steelers um look I I mean I I think that 
the perception over the last couple of weeks is that they have not played well. I do think that that is fair. The reality for the Steelers is if I told you at the end of the season that they went 12-4 and and won a first-round playoff game, I don't think anybody would have had an issue with that. That's kind of where it's trending here. Now, could they lose in the first round? Will all of that change? Certainly, yes. Also, their opponents have gotten a lot tougher. They're not playing as well against some of those. But every team during the NFL season goes through what I would say is probably a little bit of a slump. Steelers are going through their slump right now. Yeah, look, I, I think that my concern personally is is that run game at this point. You know, it's it's can you get that right? Now, this week they have a good matchup ahead of them. Cincinnati is a team that you should beat up on. You should get right and you should figure things out. But I think the other problem is now you're seeing two teams in this division, too, with the Ravens and, and Cleveland Browns that are hungry and starting to play arguably their best football of the year in these last few games for both of those teams. And it's like the opposite trend. And maybe the Steelers are that team that peaked too soon. I think those injuries that they've had on defense, too, are, are absolutely huge. And the offensive line play hasn't been good either. I don't know if you know this, but but Pouncey is actually towards the bottom in terms of EFF grades for centers this year. So I don't know if that's just a decline. I don't know if there's an injury or something he's playing through. But that's not something we're used to either. And I think that's why you're seeing Ben Roethlisberger get rid of the ball so quickly this year. So it feels like a hot take because... Uh, you know, great teams go through lulls. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers hadn't had one yet, so maybe this is just bad timing of it. And they, they get to the playoffs and everything's fine. They certainly have enough experience. But I don't know. There's a little bit of truth, I think, to that. So I think this one might have to come back and uh, be reexamined sooner than later. All right, I saw this one yesterday. Hot take? A.J. Brown is the new Terrell Owens. Craig, what do you think of this one? This seems kind of hot to me, but certainly in terms of physicality, pretty physical wide receiver, just like T.O. was. Maybe a little bit better than people thought that he was. That could also be. I think it's a little early to put this tag on him. To me, this kind of feels like a hot take. It's a little early yet to call him the next Terrell Owens or, or anything close to that. But do you think he's on that trajectory at the very least? What's your thought? Hot take. Is A.J. Brown the new T.O.? Uh, I, I, everybody can't be T.O. So if we're calling D.K. Metcalf T.O., we can't call A.J. Brown T.O. And it's like every player who sort of has this build, Kyle Pitts on Florida, they're calling the next T.O. too. Uh, I'm going to say this is a hot take. You want to? You want me to give you a comp for uh, A.J. Brown? I'll give you a, a comp sure. for a player who played just like him in the first six years of his career that one day will be an option potentially for the Hall of Fame, and that's Anquan Bolden. That's exactly who he reminds that's me of. That's had good speed. He was a big dude the first few years. Then all of a sudden, the speed went away. He was still a really good receiver and even a good receiver in Baltimore, but he was nowhere near it. The big guys slow down fast. So I cannot say that A.J. Brown has a Hall of Famer like Owens. So hot take for me. I like that comp, though. The Anquan Bolden comp is a good one. I wonder if he's just a hair faster than Anquan is, but in I'm terms sure of physicality. The problem is that we remember Bolden at the end of his career and not at the right. beginning. Well, no, I, and I if, remember those. And if you go back and Arizona watch the highlights, well. you'll see when he was with Arizona at the beginning, uh, you know, before Fitzgerald became who he was, he was mm -hmm. a superstar, Anquan Bolden. And then as, as he got a little bit older, yes, no doubt. And his last few years with Baltimore, look, he was nowhere near that. Oh, but of course, you will man. see Bolden catching passes, extending, and beating people down the field in the first five years, maybe, of his career. He played a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, look, uh, obviously, uh, this guy's next story to talk about is playing a long time, too, is Travis Kelsey. And uh, the elite tight end in the NFL, there's no doubt about that right now. And I think when you're 
examining this, I kind of wonder if this is hot or not, because the, the take going out there is that this guy is a late first round pick next year. Now, in terms of relative position value, which I like to kind of use as the player valuation tool, of how much better a player is. Last year was an all time high. I never saw before with Christian McCaffrey, who was almost 60% better than the average fantasy running back one last year now that was also because of some injuries at the position so that was kind of factored into it and there was a lot of rbbc and a lot of that that kind of you know inflated that number slightly but when i go back and i start to do this for tight end going forward next year with the way tight ends in the last two years and where Ertz is going on the decline yes waller's very good but it's a real question here and and with wide receiver being so deep that's another part of this equation. I think you can get away with this. I don't think I would do it, but there is a distinct advantage to having him. And when you consider that he's got right now, uh, see, DK Metcalf has 1,180 yards, right? He's got more than any other wide receiver. Kelsey has 1,250, okay? Just for perspective. He also plays with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so I think when all these things, you kind of put them in. I don't like starting my team with tight end. I think you can make the argument I'm going to say it's a hot take. I don't think you should do this, but I think he's going to go right there at the turn. And because wide receiver is so deep with all these great rookies, we're going to be second year players and all the good rookies coming in this year that maybe you can actually make this early tight end strategy with specifically Kelsey more than Kittle, more than Waller, more than anybody else really work because you know what he is in the offense, how consistent he is, how many games he always plays. And look, the overall productivity, the ceiling and the floor are all there. And he's that one guy, the position you can really rely on year in, year out. So I kind of get that. We saw it with Gronk. We saw it with Jimmy Graham for a year or two. I feel like Kelsey's getting in that conversation, but I think it's a hot take. I don't think I would do this. Would you do this? No, I could never take a tight end in the first round. And I, and I think that with more injuries in the NFL, I think that's kind of the issue for me. Because we could have had the same conversation last year about George Kittle. He ended up missing virtually the entire season. And I think that this is what you have to ask yourself. No matter who you take in the first round at running back or receiver, there is a pretty good chance that you've taken someone in the sixth or seventh round that may have a chance to come close to the production of the running back or the receiver. Maybe not great, but you could get someone. Once you invest that first round pick in Kelsey, when are you taking your next tight end? Never? <laughs> like at the end of the draft? And then no, you're not you going to have a tight end if something happens to him the entire season. So I, I think second round is still the spot for taking one of those top guys. But I, I just think that I, I used to believe that when I played fantasy football against somebody else, I always took the first tight end because I wanted to go into that week knowing that my guy was better than your guy every single week right. at one position. Uh, really the only right. I love that. With the way that injuries are now in the NFL, I don't feel that way anymore. It's not about the tight end position. It's not about the player. It's it's just about what would happen in week two if Kelsey was out for six weeks. You cannot replace that guy because you went into the draft thinking, sure. I got the best tight end. I'm good. I don't need another one. When in the reality, maybe the strategy should be you take Kelsey and then take another really good tight end <laughs> and back yourself up if something happens. But no one's ever going to do that. So fantasy for me. All right, let's move on to the next one here. Uh, Eric Henry is getting real close to 2,000 yards. He's in that conversation at least. I guess the question is, is it a hot take to say that he can get there this year? And before we uh, we let you know, I mean, he needs 156 yards per game. So he set the stage for you. That's in order for him to break 2,000 yards. His next three games, he's going against Detroit. He's giving up 132 per game. He's going against Green Bay. He's giving up 110. And, of course, the Houston Texans, the worst in the league, 152. 
So is a hot take to say that Derrick Henry can get 2,000 yards this year? I think he's going to get close. I think it's a hot take. I think he falls just shy of it. But I'll tell you what, man, if he has one more 200 spot, I think this one's in the bag, Craig. I really do. And any of those three spots are possible. The most likely one, clearly the Texans. The Texans have been so bad this year against the run, and he's getting them week 17 when everybody's basically saying, what time is my plane leave? I got to get out of here on the defensive side of the football. I don't know. I think this is possible, but I'm going to say hot take. I don't think he quite gets to 2K. Do you think he does? Yeah, I don't think it's a hot take. I think that there's a chance for sure. I think he definitely has to go into that last game not needing his best game. That That's a guess for me because with the addition of an extra team in the NFL, I think Tennessee essentially is probably just fighting for seeding. I suppose if the division is on the line, maybe. I mean, it's just not a, as big a deal as it used to be with only having, I believe, one team getting the bye, right? So, um, yep, just one this year. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they will try to get it for him if he is within reason, but I mm-hmm. don't think if he needs 150 going into the last game that he would get it, even with Houston being as bad as they are. But well, that's if, just if the he, average. Houston's average yeah, is 150. <laughs> yeah, Houston Houston would definitely give it up to him, but again, Tennessee is going to measure his 2000 right. yard rushing season versus them going far. Sure. And mm-hmm. and I think Henry probably would be along the lines of hey, let's just, you know, let's wrap it up here if we need to. But it, but look, if he needs 70 yards or something like that, I think he'll get it. Hey, Adrian Peterson and Edwin James, those are the last two guys to go back to back. And it looks like he's going to at least go back to back in terms of rushing titles. So that's that's pretty astounding, I think, in this day and age, too, because running backs get hurt a ton. And we're seeing something special here. You know, talked about on the show yesterday, some of the names and some of the stats right now. We're talking about some of the best to ever play this position. And I feel like, you know, Derrick Henry's that thing that even last year, a lot of people didn't want to buy in on it. I don't know what's going on, but I think that everyone's bought in now, finally. And this one is, man, this was out there. And I had to bring this one to you because I want to break this one down. It is hot take. Jalen Hurts is a better thrower of the football than Lamar Jackson. Now, Jalen Hurts just has one start in the NFL. And I just want to remind everybody that last year, Lamar Jackson did lead the league in passing touchdowns. So Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. I think Lamar Jackson's deficit has been the receiving core around him. I think this is the hottest of takes. And it's not because I don't think Jalen Hurts can throw the football. It's just because I think people are underestimating that Lamar or forgetting that Lamar can. And, you know, I'm not saying that either one is surrounded with the greatest weapons of all time. Far from it. But I think this is a little hot. This is a little, oh, my goodness, it just happened. Jalen Hurts looked pretty good in this game and had some good moments. Uh, Do you think this is a hot take? Because it feels kind of scorching to me. Yeah, I, I think it's way too early for this. And Lamar Jackson threw a lot of great passes last year, especially in the first 10 games of the season. Um, look, look, it's possible Jalen Hurts gets to that level. I would not discount that, but you can't say that right now. Uh, in college, I would say that they were pretty much equal. Jalen Hurts was great at Alabama, great at Oklahoma in terms of passing mm-hmm. and, and on par with what Lamar did at Louisville for sure. But yeah, in the NFL, I, I, I certainly don't think that we're there yet. And And I would also say, in fairness to Lamar Jackson, uh, I, and this is nothing against Des, Des Bryant, Joe, but... That to me signaled, wow, we really have nothing. Like we really have nothing at wide receiver that we have to go out and get yeah. Des Bryant. I know they have Andrews at tight end, and and Des would have been more of a factor when Andrews was out the last couple of weeks. But Brown, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I think that his welcome is is done. He could still play maybe in the NFL, but too many drop passes. We saw another one. He had a t- nice touchdown last night. He like, dropped another easy one yeah. yesterday too. 
But, well, so, but when they have the touchdown, when did he have the touchdown? When there was a mistake by the defense. Yeah, he's like he's like the bad ball hitter in baseball. He's the guy that takes advantage of when you throw him a high fastball and he can hit it. That's what Hollywood Brown is. The linebacker and wider and then safety run into each other. Next thing you know, Brown's got five yard cushion. Boom, there's the touchdown. All right. Well, our touchdown's coming up next. We've got plenty more to come here on Sports Grid. We're going to wrap up this first hour of the show. We've got a little, of course, trivia coming up. And then we're going to get into our headlines for hour two. So make sure you stay on the grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Where are you going? Stay right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Time for a little fantasy trivia. Of course, over the weekend, Hassan Reddick ended up getting five sacks. It was amazing on Sunday. And so that's going to surround our fantasy trivia question of the day. And uh, I've been a little bit better at this, at least at the very least with the trivia questions. I Out of the three options, what, what happened for the first like 10 weeks of the season is I was picking the worst option. Then I started getting the second best. Then I got the best a couple times. Now I'm back to the middle. But I think I know the answer to this one today. This this is this is not even a question for me. So go ahead, let's fire it off well, and see if I get it right. You tend to second guess yourself. Like you you say, my gut says this, but I think this is too easy, or I think you're trying to do this. You know, you just stick it's with true. the gut. You stick with the instinct. You outthink Craig Mish outthinks Craig Mish a little too much sometimes on the trip. Very so fair. we'll ask the question. Hassan Reddick, five sacks, pretty good performance, but who was the best ever? Who had the most sacks in a single NFL game? Your choices are LT, Lawrence Taylor, B, Kevin Green, one of the best yep. to ever do it in terms of sacks, and C, Derek Thomas. So, Craig Mish, A, B, or C, which way are you going? Uh, this is C, Derek Thomas. That is correct. 1990 yeah. against the Seattle Seahawks, seven sacks. Yep, That's pretty good. Uh, November 11th, 1990, by the way. And I think, you know, Unfortunately, the career and the life got cut short here of Derek Thomas, one of the best to ever play. And and if you if you saw the football life on him on NFL Network, it was tremendous, really well done. And this was one of the great defensive players that I feel like sometimes we don't talk about enough. You hear, you know, because Lawrence Taylor played in New York, you get a lot of LT stories. You get a lot of Erlocker things because he's a Chicago guy. I think the fact that he played in Kansas City his whole career – I don't think people really understand just how great Derek Thomas was. And I think sometimes a little reminder when you see something like this, with seven sacks in one game. I don't know if I've ever heard of such a thing or a player being that dominant in a single game. That's just at what point do you just say, can we just triple team this guy and just stop letting Derek Thomas beat us? Like when do he just step up and say, okay, enough is enough after the fifth one. When do you say, okay, enough is enough. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I remember the game and I remember him getting this record. I do. And and so, but you're right. Yeah, Derek Thomas grew up in South Florida, so he was a pretty popular player here, even though his career was uh, was in Kansas City. But there's no question that, uh, like, I mean, was, was he in the prime of his career when he passed away? I don't remember if yeah. he was in the prime, but he definitely was still playing in the NFL and uh, one of the greats, all time for sure. Hour two of Fantasy Sports today is next. Stay on that grid. We'll be right back. 